Welcome to the business and financial advice show, Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly. Brought to you by Mega, the monthly entrepreneur growth academy. Your very own group of professional peers offering instant tips, training, and business networking. Learn how to have more time and increase your income by joining Mega today. And now, here's your host of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, Nancy Becker. Hey everybody, how are you today? And welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a show done by business owners for business owners, teaching you the aha moments of successfully growing and running your business. Today, we are talking with Mad Singers, and he has worked as a management coach for over six years coaching people in large organizations such as Shell and Coca-Cola, and he's worked with entrepreneurs and small companies. His one main focus remains the same, however, and that's effective people management. An organization, no matter what size, is built with awesome people. If you don't know how to get the most out of your staff, you're missing out big time, and that's why Mads is here. Management isn't terribly complicated, and with his Effective Management Mastery course, you can learn the most important management processes and start becoming a more effective manager, and with that, start growing and scaling your company. Welcome, Mads. Thank you very much. And just to add to that, uh, the, key, the key thing for me is, unfortunately, most people don't invest enough in management, also in their team, right? Like I see so many businesses, you know, they have someone, oh, this person is good in this department. I'll promote them to a manager, but they forget to give them any kind of training or even like themselves teaching them what they know, right? So people are often just promoted and expected to know exactly what to do. Absolutely. Surprise, most people don't. No, and that that causes, you know, such a a commotion and chaos. and, And I have a... Uh, post that I have on my computer that talks about the difference between a boss and a leader. And I think more than anything else, you need to have a leader. You don't need to have a boss. Am I right? Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I I think the fundamental today, and particularly, particularly working with a fair mix of sort of younger and, and older people, right? I think uh, like I've worked with anything, any age, like I've have a guy that's 78 at the moment working with me. Right. So I, I'm work with anyone anywhere. Right. And, and uh, particularly to be able to, to mix people to that together effectively, like you have to let go of all your bias. Right. Like when I first started leading and managing people, I was 24 and I had people twice my age that I was the boss of. Right. And if you run around and like, oh, I don't dare say anything to this person because they're so much more experienced and blah, 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 right? Like you lose from day one. So you have to let go of the bias. You have to really just step up your game and and fundamentally do what's right. Yeah. And let's, let's actually step back for a second and talk to me about one of the things that I read in your bio was effective people management. And that's the focus. 
And let's define that in minute terms so that people understand what effective people management means. Yeah. Uh, The way I look at it is most people, particularly in the beginning of business, consider management to be very difficult, right? And I don't necessarily think it is. Like if you're an engineer and can figure out how to build space shuttles or uh, radios or whatever you can build, um, I think management in general isn't difficult, right? For me, management is really about learning and understanding some basic key processes that really, I mean, I I call it the 20 of management, right? But some key processes that really uh, gives you the benefit you're looking for, right? And and fundamentally, that's one around how to manage and act around the human beings you manage. Because uh, again, that there is very few things more important than actually managing people effectively communicating with them effectively and uh, the the number one thing and that's the same in my course the number one thing i always talk to people about is communication right like i've seen people coming out having communications degree and no one knows and understands much about communication and it's such a shame because like as human beings right we, we we're different um, but we're not that different. And what, that, what I mean with that is that it's, it's generally very possible to understand how other people communicate and want to be communicated to. However, the challenge is that most bosses communicate to everyone the way they like to communicate and in the medium they like to communicate in. So if you have a boss who only likes email and a hate face-to-face conversation, expect like 98% of your communication to be like that, right? And the problem is if you have a team of 20 people, they will be very diverse. Some of them will love email communication only and some of them will hate you. And that's the fundamental problem. Like every single large organization I've worked with, every employee survey say they suck at communication. And it comes down to a management level where managers communicating the way they like and not the way that's effective, right? So number one thing with effective communication for me is really getting communication right and really breaking this communication code on how to do this stuff effectively. Yeah, that was actually a question I was just going to ask you that just popped up. My husband is a leader, management leader in a large uh, retail organization and his boss sends upwards from 20 to 50 emails a day to him most of them are just cc'ing him on things he's already received an email from somebody else on (laughs) and it drives him crazy so my question is obviously the boss likes sending emails and he likes covering, you know, just plastering them with emails. None of the people that he's the leader of like the emails. They would rather pick up the phone and talk and get it all done in one conversation. Is it the responsibility of the people being managed to just suck it up and go with the emails Or should the manager 
actually say, all right, this, even though this is the way I like to do it, this might not be the best way to do it because I'm getting all these complaints from all my people that I work with. So an important lesson I learned was that communication is what the listener do, right? And what I mean with that is if you're communicating in a way that's not being received or understood the right way, then you're really not communicating, right? Um, now, fundamentally, I, I would have a few questions because generally with people that prefer email, there's often a couple of kind of scenarios, right? So what I would love to see to talk a little bit more about your specific example would to be what he writes like when he writes emails. Is it like super short, like, hey, can you do this thing? Or is it like these long, 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 long paragraphs, right? Long paragraphs, or it's, it's things like, make sure you do this. And right. it's a CC of something that someone else up the chain had already sent. Right. So they're getting bombarded three and four times with the exact same information. So, so generally, I mean, it's always the manager's responsibility because it's the manager's responsibility to get the most out of the staff he have, he or she have, right? So in the end of the day, uh, if the staff isn't getting the right result because the manager doesn't communicate effectively to them, that's it. it falls back on the manager. It's the manager's problem, right? What I would say, so two things. If you do want to communicate with that manager effectively, you're probably better off sending emails, right? Um, so that's one thing. Now you can always sit in the corner and say, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And that's an easy scapegoat. But in the end of the day, um, again, uh, when you work in a company, uh, your goal is to get the best results, right? So even though your boss might not be great at what he does, uh, again, it's your responsibility to get the right result for you and your organization. So again, two key things here is one, uh, actually communicate to the boss the way he likes if you want to get the right results with your boss. So again, for example, if you want to complain about the volume of emails, don't call a meeting and do it in that meeting because that is not the way he likes communicating. If you instead actually write a long email and saying, hey, we're spending a ton of time on this, this is an issue, this is an issue listed, then you're going to be more effective with the boss. Now, the, the way the boss thinks is more information is better, right? The reason why someone generally write very long and very detail-focused uh, uh, emails is because they're perfectionists. They're very detail-oriented. And people like that love information because they know the more information they have, the better decisions they can make. And their assumption is for the team to make the best possible decisions, you want to give them all that information as well because that enables you to make the best decisions. Now, you can always disagree or, or whatever with that, but that's the mindset of that individual. That's why they do what they do, right? Because to them, knowledge and information is power. It's, it's, it's what's being used to get the right results, right? Um, now, a lot of people don't necessarily agree with that way of doing things. And again, the best way is, is Again, trying to talk with the individual. And, and, but the first step for me is always, one, understand how that individual communicates and why. 
and then try and talk with the individual and trying to work out like the problem is most people when they bring something like that up they come to someone and they say oh your communication is shit or hey we don't like when you send all the emails but that's not a solution right like when you bring something up you want to say hey here's the current scenario here's what that does what about we try do something different and then propose that right um so that's that's the way i personally would go around it right that makes actually it makes a lot of sense and i know there's another situation at my husband's company where the um third shift head will get on the pa and it's a 24-hour store similar to walmart's you know and she'll get on the pa and she'll start blaring these instructions and you've got to get this done in such and such and such a time and otherwise you're all fired and i don't know and it's through the store while anybody who's there shopping can hear all of these things and it's just driving everybody crazy so what you just said i am actually going to suggest my husband do and that's put together um a document that says you may not realize this is what's happening but this is what you're doing this is what's happening perhaps if you did it this way it might make more sense now i will bet you that is not the same person that's a very different personality it sounds like no, he's yeah. very different. Yeah, my husband's yeah, very yeah. different than this woman. Yeah, but no, the, 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 yeah, the person no, the, the person playing this out on the on the, the the speakers is different from the one you mentioned earlier, yes, right? It is. It's yeah, a yeah. totally different person. So it sounds yeah. like a totally different person. So so it sounds like the person who is playing it out on the speakers is looking to say, okay, we need this done. What's the fastest possible way for me to communicate that to the people who needs to know? Right. Mm -hmm. So. It's someone who's different, not so detail-oriented, but someone who's focused on let's get shit done, right? Mm -hmm. And what the individual is thinking is, how do I get stuff done the fastest possible way, right? Mm -hmm. So again, do the same process and say, hey, listen, we understand you're trying to get this done quick. However, when customers hear this thing, here's what happens. How can we do this differently so we get the messages quick, but it doesn't blare out to all the customers. Yeah. So same, same approach, right? You're listening to the Business and Financial Advice Show. Don't wait till pigs fly with your host, Nancy Becker. There's lots more to come. Nancy and her guest will be right back. What does business success look like to you? What does business success feel like to you? What stands between you and that feeling? Business success is all about momentum. Mega, the monthly entrepreneur growth academy will help you focus on the right things and start building that momentum. The Mega Group is a network of dedicated professionals. They provide focused training and excellent support as only a personal advisory group can. Learn tips, strategies, and valuable insights to unleash your productivity. Isn't it time to stop spinning your wheels? Go to don'twaittillpigsfly.com and join the mega group today. Are you a small business owner wondering about your next step for growth and success? What if you had your own dynamic group of professional peers, a group that supports your business with fresh new ideas, beneficial training, accountability, and more? 
Mega, the monthly Entrepreneur Growth Academy, is a professional peer advisory group dedicated to supporting fellow business owners. Learn about processes and strategies that will get you more time and money. When I first joined the Mega Group, I was struggling in a business that wasn't right for me. Now, I own a local business where I live out my passion every day. Last year, the revenue of my business tripled and we are on track to hit even bigger goals this year. The accountability and feedback of the Mega Group have been invaluable. The Mega Group can help you focus on the right things and start building momentum. Join the Mega Group today at don'twaittillpigsfly.com. They're big, they're shy, they're invisible, and they fly. They're always late, they never arrive. Don't wait till pigs fly. Get your business momentum in action. Let's rejoin our host of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, Nancy Becker. Let me ask you this question. You talk about you've worked with companies like Shell and Coke, and then you've worked with um, entrepreneurs in very small corporations. What is different and what is the same for the two different types of companies? If you walk into a company like Shell and talk to middle managers, 90 some percent give no shits. Sorry to use that expression, but uh, you walk into a room trying to sit in and teach 10 people something and they're like, yeah, we got four hours off where we can sit and sleep, right? Obviously, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but that's the difference. When you work with an entrepreneur, it's their money, they care, right? Again, they're the one paying you, which means they wouldn't pay you if they don't care. So they're going to freaking listen. Now, they might not agree, they might not understand everything, but they're going to listen, right? Uh, and, and what I really love is like, no matter how many people you coach in Coca-Cola, like it's not like you're going to see the stock price explode, right? Whereas if you coach entrepreneurs or smaller business owners, like you see difference. Like I, I've worked with a client who they, they were like 30 staff for over two years, very stagnant. And literally from within a month I worked with them, they started hiring. And about three, four months after I had been working with them, they went from 30 to 90 staff, right? Like such explosive growth. And, and it was basically down to what I said earlier. Like they had a good company, they had great people in the right roles and they had never invested in their management training, right? So they hadn't, they, they hadn't learned how to step up, take the responsibility, make things happen, you know, set, set great goals and so on. So um, yeah, that, like very, very often, it doesn't take a lot to to make a difference. I mean, a lot of the clients I work with, right? Like I, I kind of work either in one of two ways. Either I physically go there face-to-face, and that would usually be between one to three days, depending on what they're looking for. Or alternatively, I with a lot of the, and that's usually with the CEOs or with the with the owners themselves, I do sort of one-to-one coaching on Skype, right? But, but either way, like very, very quickly, you, you, it's very quick to sort of help and understand what's the issues they're facing or what's the, and, and it's often not issues. It's not often not things they're necessarily doing wrong, but in any smaller business, everything reflects the owner. So if the owner sucks at delegation, the company sucks at delegation. If the owner sucks at sales, the company sucks at sales. 
right? So it's often very, very reflective of the owner themselves. So it's actually mostly sometimes getting the owner to know and understand themselves and their strengths and weaknesses. And then secondary, um, really just helping them understand how they can, how they can close that gap. Because again, a very famous phrase, very common phrase is people always hire people like themselves and they do, and they replicate their weaknesses. So like I've walked into companies with 10, 12, 15 people and everyone have had exactly the same personality style as the boss itself. Right. Uh, and obviously there's stuff they're really good at as a company and the stuff they suck at. The problem is at a company, you need to be able to do multiple things. You need to sell because if you sell nothing, you have no money. You need to deliver what you sell because again, you can sell, but if you don't deliver, shit happens. Uh, and, and fundamentally, you have to be able to sort of take care of the operational piece like finance and things like that. And, and the thing is, you can be really good at one of them, but if you totally fail in one of the categories, your company fail, right? Like often you're, not, you're often not equally good in each, but the thing is, if you're absolutely terrible in one of them, your company very often fails, right? Does it make sense to invest in some of these personality tests that you can get online, or I don't know if you do them or anything like that, when you're considering hiring someone? So I would take it the other way around. So I, I have a very stubborn view on this. And my view is that the tests suck, particularly in hiring situation, because no matter what you tell people, they tell you what they think you want to hear. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fact, right? It's natural. It's human. Uh, I would do it. I, I mean, it, like I'm not a sales guy in any way, shape or form, but I could go for an interview for a sales job. And if they ask me to do a test, I would fill it out, telling them exactly what they want to hear. And I could possibly get the job that would not help me or the company, but I could. Now, what I do instead is actually learning to look at simple people behavior and read people's behavior from that. Right. I mean, simple things, as, as you were talking about, like you, you said a few simple things about a person's boss. Right. And very often that's enough. Like the, the small piece of information you give is often enough to understand a lot about that person. If you understand a good behavioral framework, right. Which is, which is the first module of my course. So like, that's, that's the first thing I teach to all my clients. Right. Because when you're sitting in an interview, that the number one thing is avoiding mistakes, right? Like you can always argue, oh, this guy is this good and this guy is this good and who do I pick? But that's not the issue. The issue is avoiding making mistakes because that is what's really, really expensive for a company. So if you go through a hiring process, hire the wrong people or wrong person, that's really expensive because you spend time training them and then you realize this guy or this girl isn't fit for that work. And that sucks big time. Right. So, so fundamentally you're, you're trying to avoid failure with, with your recruitment process. Right. And if you understand as very basic behavior, I mean, the way I normally say it is if someone sits down next to me in an airplane, I can tell them something about themselves. They don't know. Uh, like when you get good at reading behaviors, it becomes that easy. Right. 
and it enables you to it enables you to t- tell one people's personality and people's sort of natural strengths and weaknesses, which is key, and it really enables you to see how well they know themselves, right? So, um, I mean, typically, if you look at typical salespeople, they sell themselves really good. They're really good at saying, oh, yeah, I'm the best, and I do this, and I did this. And the problem is, like, a lot of the time, they find, like, if they apply for a finance role, they would never do that because they find it boring. But the problem is, if they do apply because they're desperate to make money, they can probably get the job because people think, wow, that person sounds so great. And that's really well until they start doing the work and they suck, right? Yeah. So, so the whole fundamental in understanding natural behavior from people and so on is really being able to sort of predict their, their natural behavior and, and being able to see how is this person a potential fit, right? And for many roles that I hire for, like I look at very specific behavior types to fill those specific roles, right? That actually <clears throat> brings up three questions. Number one, is it as important for you to understand your own personality, personality flaws, those types of things, as it is to understand the other person's? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, the, the thing is, I've never really considered which are more important. Uh, I, I would say I consider both being really, really important, right? Uh, because if you, if you don't know yourself, you often end up spending time on things you're not good at. And if you spend time on things you suck at, uh, you're not going to be very effective, right? So, so, my, so my second question then is, which goes along with that, is how do you figure this out? How do you figure out your personality and then how do you figure out how to understand and read the body language and the personalities of the other person? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I use a framework called DISC um, very much because it's very simple and very straightforward. Um, it's practice. I mean, it's knowing what to do in practice, right? So it's, it's looking at simple things like when you talk to someone, do they have eye contact with you? Like, are they, are they very, have, do they have very insistent eye contact or not? How much do they smile? How do they talk fast or slow? Like the volume of voice of a human being uh, basically determines your assertiveness, right? So the louder your natural voice is, the more assertive you are, right? And, and that's one of those things. Like you can play around with, like you, you can play around with a sort of a lot of body language, but the volume of, the, like the, the volume of your actual voice, no one plays around with that, right? Like if you are naturally loud, even if you try to be quiet, like you're like, oh yeah, I'm trying to whisper. How did like it, it? It doesn't work, right? So people can't really fake it, and it, it's simple things like that. Like when you meet a human being, if you can hear, okay, this guy or this woman is well above average in in volume of the voice, like that that tells you like that's fifty percent of the game, right? So like these small, small things can really help you understand human beings, right? If you know what to look for and how to look for it and simple things like body language, how do they use their hands? How do they, you know, some people naturally are very comfortable with close contact. You know, some people always like put an arm around each other and like, you know, always put a hand on the other person's shoulder, 
like how, how comfortable are they with close contact and how how much do they enjoy their personal space um simple things like if someone starts talking while in the middle of you talking do you stop or do you continue right it's simple things that most people don't know to look for, but it's really, really basic stuff. And if you know what to do, uh, you can become really, really good at this stuff, right? And as I said, for me, like, it generally takes less than 20 seconds from meeting a human being so I can tell them things about themselves that they don't know, right? Um, does, does your academy teach people these things or yeah. do we hire you to come in and, and be a part of the interview process? No, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm teaching people because I, I believe it's so, like, it's so fundamental both for recruitment, but I find it just as fundamental for managing your existing staff, right? Like, again, um, let me take some example, right? Like, some people hate getting in front of an audience. Now, I literally work with a girl that would rather quit her job than get an award in the yearly company uh, retreat right? Because she was so freaking terrified of getting in front of an audience. Now, her boss didn't know that and or didn't understand that. And therefore, she actually left the company because she was so afraid of getting in front of an audience. Now, you, you can say that's a bad boss, or you could say it's just a bad boss that doesn't understand the staff well enough. But in the end of the day, like, it, again, it comes down to education of that individual. Right, like if he had known and understood how to work with this individual, this person that was working with him, like that would have been totally avoided, right? Mm -hmm. So, and and like understanding people's motivation again, like most people aren't motivated by money, right? It's a common consensus that oh, we want to keep people, let's pay them more money. Well, half the world's population is not primarily motivated by money. There's things that are more important to them. Right. Like I know plenty of people who could you could offer, offer to double their salary. They still wouldn't leave their current job. Right. And that's because they are in a place they like mm -hmm. and they know what they have and they don't want to run the risk of doing something else. And that's their personality type. Right. And, and again, if you know and understand that and you stop like some people, for example, if you say, oh, if you hit this goal, I'll give you a bonus. Right. Some people will say, great, I'm going to hit that goal. And some people will say, I don't care. Like, I'm okay. I have the money I need. Why, like, I'm not going to do anything extra. And the thing is, the boss always say, oh, that's a bad employee. And I always turn it around and say, no, that's a boss not knowing what motivates the employee. Again, most bosses look at themselves and say, what motivates me? Oh, that must motivate everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. And again, that's simply not true. Like I, I have a lot of stuff, right? And then some of them, for example, like instead of giving them a pay rise, like I'll send them a new computer screen or new laptop or new like office chair or something. And they're like ecstatic. Now, if I, if I'd given them a pay rise, they'll be like, okay, thanks. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, this is something that they wouldn't have bought with their own money because it will just go into the family budget but it's something that they really love because it can help improve their effectiveness and it can help like make their work more fun and more like they can get more stuff done. Right. So it's a much bigger win for me and it's, a, they're much happier right now. If you can look at people and understand that that is a big freaking win for you. I just, I, I see these things as being very important and they make so much sense 
and it's going to take 10 years to figure this out. <laughs> what do you do with your business in the meantime, you know? Uh, but it, and, and I, I disagree. I mean, the, the, the people I have that are fastest at this stuff, like sometimes we do some intense workshops, but like in a, in a week, you would get really good at this stuff. Right. So the key thing is knowing what to look for. And actually it's learning to look for behaviors, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not used to looking for behaviors, like if you're not used to looking at someone and seeing how much eye contact or how much they smile, you don't look for it. You don't know. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start consciously thinking, how much is this person smiling? How much are they using their arms? How much are they doing? Whatever. When you start consciously thinking about it, you start seeing it all the time. And the key thing is one, knowing what to look for. And then step number two is then taking all that data you get and then saying, okay, what does this data mean? This person smiles a ton. They're really loud. Um, and they're really like very big arm movements and always like high five and fist pump and whatever these kind of people do. And they're like, if you know what putting those things together mean in, in terms of people, uh, then it's, it's not that difficult. And, and many, many of my clients get really good at it in a very short span of time, right? Uh, because it ain't that complicated. Do you feel frustrated, disconnected, or unfulfilled in your relationship? If you said yes, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Anza Goodbar, intimacy coach and sex educator. Nearly 70% of all couples in the U.S. claim to be dissatisfied with their relationship. But the good news is, you don't have to be. If you're ready to open your heart to feel more connected to life, yourself, and your partner, join me and five couples at the Intrinsically Intimate Couples Retreat in Barbados. You can find out more details at www.anzagoodbar.com backslash retreats. Radio and podcast shows are the fastest growing media of the decade. The better the sound, the better the impact you will have with your listeners. Hi, I'm Scott. I'm a producer editor for radio and podcasts. If you have your own podcast, I can help with editing, improved audio quality, your own theme music, and intros and outros. Would you like a commercial for your small business? Connect with me for a sound approach to your podcasts and commercials. My email is scott at worldwithinreach.com. Scott at worldwithinreach.com. Let's rejoin our host of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, Nancy Becker. Let me shift a minute here because you've got one of the things on our the questions that we were talking about prior to the show today. And you're talking about outsourcing. What's it like? What is it like? And how do you understand outsourcing? And that is an interesting question for me. And I have a virtual assistant that I dearly love and she's wonderful. Uh, I'm in the U.S., she's in Canada. I've never met her, but we've worked together for a couple of years now. And it wasn't easy in the beginning. And it, it's kind of the joke that the Canadians are so pleasant and, you know, there's always, there's a big difference. 
and everything she did she would never just do anything it was well is it okay for me to do this and I just yes do it <laughs> you know just do it and we've gotten to the point where we work really really well together and she's gotten in tune with me and I've gotten in tune with her and I don't know what I'd do without her now but I know that a lot of people have a lot of problems and a lot of issues when they hire and outsource and if you're talking really small businesses that need support but don't have the place or the structure to have in-house staff how do you hire someone or how do you pick a person that you're outsourcing to you don't necessarily see their behaviors so again you didn't tell me very much but again i can tell you again, if you had understood from the beginning how to work with her and understand how she thinks, it would probably have been a lot easier for you to get her on right track faster. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I, again, some of it comes down to management and the, the, dif the difficulty is when you're managing someone who is not physically present next to you, management become harder. Because there's a lot of things that naturally happens when you sit next to another human being. Like there's these pleasantries, there's like, how are you? Oh, is something's not right at home? Whatever. Like there's a lot of this stuff happening, right? Whereas when you're remote, you might try, but that won't happen in the same way if you don't have a very strong management process on how to manage this individual. Right. And, and again, I, I see a ton of people struggle with this. Right. And we uh, I actually own an outsourcing company for that specific reason, because I was working with so many entrepreneurs and so many clients and I consistently saw them struggle with this stuff. Right. And in the beginning, we just helped them find a good person and then matched them up. But what I saw was the same. They weren't good at managing the individual. So it always ended up exploding somewhere. So we then ended up helping people. We, we find a person, we help them manage them so they can focus more on just telling them what to do and how to do it, right? And then basically over time, they build up the relationship, right? But, but that, have, that have been really, really successful because so many people, and it's not because they want to do wrong or they want to, like, like, it's not about that. But again, it comes back to this understanding management, right? Like understanding how to work with other people, understanding like what's the actual processes and what am I supposed to do, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, and I'm, I'm thinking, I knew my assistant, I, I knew her from Facebook, you know, talking to her on Facebook, but I didn't really know her other than I knew that she did admin work didn't have a resume didn't have anything so no you know just totally blank slate and this happens a lot of times especially in outsourcing when you're trying to find someone who's going to work with you and i want someone who does this and i want someone who does that and you know i want them to take uh, their own direction i don't want to have you know all these different kinds of things oh and then i get on i get on upwork and i read their their you know, little job description. Well, that sounds like a good person. You're hired. And then you have to go through and try to figure out how to get them to do what you want them to do. Yeah. And then again, it totally makes sense, right? So again, I've, I feel interviewing is super important because 
again, this is where you feel, this is where you figure out if, if it's the right type of person for you. Uh, again, a lot of people, like let's say you post a job and you get 20 applications. Let's say you interview all 20. What happens next? You hire the best one. The problem is how do you know the best one is good enough? Right, so one of the one of the fundamental flaws I go through with recruitment with people is, if you're not super super confident that this person is gonna make a difference, if they if you're not confident that this is a person you want to work with you, don't hire them. So many people make hires because they feel like, oh, I had five candidates and I'll hire the best one, right? But that's not recruitment. That's like pick a chicken out there. Like if you, if you, if you aren't sold, like if you aren't like, I want this person to work with me, right? You're hiring the wrong person. Right. So, and, and that's like, we, we have a, a huge recruitment process, right? We have about 120, 130 staff working with us. Right. And, and like, we are very, very critical when we hire staff, for our clients, right? The way we normally work it is we try and look for what are the things clients need done. And we then try and see, is this actually, like, does it make sense for one person to do this stuff? Because again, if you have one person who is supposed to do sales and finance and, you know, often it's a little bit of things all around. And very often we will talk with the client and say, actually, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you know, these five things actually is, is something that matches the same type of person, right? That would be a good fit. But actually these other two things you're looking for them to do might not be a great fit for that same person, right? Um, and I, I, I always advise people to take it slow, right? Like don't go and hire three people for three different roles at the same time. Like one at a time, particularly in the beginning, so you get comfortable with it and so on, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's how we do it because we try and sort of see what, like both both mix for personality, but also just general skill set. Because very often entrepreneurs is like, oh, I want someone who can build my website. I want someone who is a graphic artist. I want someone who can answer my phone calls. And the the problem is, someone who builds website isn't interested in answering phone calls, for example right? Or doing other, like various other things because they've spent their whole life trying to get good at this one thing. And that's a skill they want to use. Right. So again, just understanding a little bit about different job roles and then so on can be really beneficial. Right. Lot to think about. And I know that the people listening that have, have got their minds rolling just like I have thinking, Oh, what, you know, how do we do this? And it sounds like a great deal. What have we not talked about? What have we not talked about? Yes. Um, yes. So my pet peeve actually coming, coming, uh, <laughs> well, not pet peeve, but what I love talking about the most is delegation, right? Because fundamentally when I work with my clients, delegation is probably the number one spot where most people fail, right? Particularly entrepreneurs. Like they're always trying to hold on to everything. They're always trying to, you know, be the expert, answer every question. Like, oh, if you have a question, ask me, right? Double check, triple check. And like, it was so funny the way you, you said with your assistant, because most entrepreneurs would have loved that because a lot of them, they, they like people to take initiative as long as they do exactly what they wanted 
to have done themselves. I just want it done. <laughs> right. But again, this is different people, right? So a lot of times they're like, oh, yeah, you go do whatever you want. Oh, no, you didn't do it the way I wanted to. And you're like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so, so really delegation is really where, where majority of people struggle to scale their business. Like I see so many business owners with less than five staff who the, the reason why they don't grow, like they make all this stuff up. Oh, if I had better processes or if I had better sales, or, but 80, 90% of them is due to lack of delegation, right? And this is again, where knowing and understanding yourself becomes so important, right? But particularly in the tech industry, like if you look at anything like software, web development, SEO, like there's the problem they all have, right? They, they, they are so desperate they're so desperate to feel like they're the only one that can do it. They always want to answer it. Like they tell people, Oh, I don't want to answer every question. But the problem is every time they ask a question, they feel good when they can answer because they feel important and they feel, and if you cannot let go of that, right. If you can't learn to let go of that as a human being, you, you won't be effective and delegate. And, and, and fundamentally like you might grow your business a little bit, but, but that's a very limited cap if you don't learn to delegate because in management in business, like delegation is absolutely key to be successful. Makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I know it was a, it was a difficult thing. I've had brick and mortar buildings and businesses for years and years and years. And I had staff there on premises and I would stand over their shoulder and say, well, now this is what you need to do. And it, you know, and really a difficult thing to step back and say, you hired them to do a job. Now let them do it. You know? And the, the one thing I, I love to talk about is I, I love to ask people, how did you learn to do what you do right now? Like, Oh, well, I didn't know what to do. And I just tried my way forward and I figured it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Right. Well, the problem is if you tell people every step of the way, they don't understand. Right. And the problem is if they don't learn, if they don't understand what works themselves, like they're never going to be able to match you. And the problem fundamentally is like initially the business owners might be a certain distance away from an individual and say, well, okay, I'm, I have that much more knowledge. But the problem is whenever they keep track, whenever they are always the end point, what happens is any question go to them, which means they keep learning and learning and learning. And actually the gap to the employee just grows because even though the employee learns, the business owner still keep building everything in their head. Right. And the problem is like, and this is specifically territorial, like you want to pick out areas and literally hand them off to other people. Like you want to take sales or operations or marketing or something and say, I trust you. I love you. You own this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like I, I literally started a podcast about, I don't know, what's that? Three, four weeks ago. And I hired a girl in. And I said, she, she had a background in HR. And I said, uh, are you up for a challenge? She was ready. So I gave her a challenge. I'm like, starting a podcast. She had never heard about podcasts. She didn't know what it was. Um, here's the goals. So we need to publish every week, every Wednesday. We need to make sure we 
do these different things. So every time we publish an episode, we want to email the person who was on the episode. Um, you know, we want to be published in all these iTunes and all these different places. And, and I gave her a bunch of goals that was key. And then I let her go. And she made a whole bunch of mistakes. And that's really cool. Because the thing is, I don't know that much about podcasting either. And if I had gone do it, I'd probably made some of it. There, there might be some mistakes I hadn't made but I probably made some of the same mistakes as well. And the whole point is that me not having to think about it, like literally the only thing I've done is just like we're doing here, the raw recording. I've put them in a Google Drive and everything else you've done, right? Yep. Brand new employee. Um, yeah. Well, and I think the end result, you know, you've got something you want to have done. Yeah. And these are the things you want to have done. You turn it over to someone as long as they get done and done in a satisfactory manner. I don't think it matters that they take the same X, Y, Z steps. I might do something A to B to C and they might do it E, F, and G. But if yeah. we get to the same Z result, you know, that's what's and important. That's what's key, right? Like where most people struggle is they tell people what to do step by step mm -hmm. instead of telling them the goal, mm -hmm. right? Like for example, you, if you have brick and mortar business, right? Like you could sit down and you could tell everyone, anytime someone steps foot in the shop, say this line, say this sentence. Every time someone look at a piece of clothing, say this sentence, like you could, you could do that. Yeah. But again, as a human being, you wouldn't. But that's what people are trying to do a lot online. Like they're literally trying to say, okay, I want you to connect with this person. I want you to say this exact little message. I want you to do this. Like they, they want to take all the thinking out of it, which sometimes makes sense, but it sure as hell doesn't give you people who take ownership. Yeah. Right? Like I can also guarantee that if the same person contacted both of us on LinkedIn and said, I want to be your friend. I can guarantee you that what you would say to welcome them as a new friend and what I would say to welcome them as a new friend would be totally different, but would have the same end result. Correct. And, and one thing that's interesting, right? Uh, let's take LinkedIn as an example. Now, I get a lot of LinkedIn requests, right? Probably 50 to 100 a week. Now, LinkedIn, when I look at my priority list, LinkedIn is nowhere near the top. It's probably down the bottom. Like answering connection requests on LinkedIn is probably my bottom 2%. Now, the point is that's my bottom. So that's something I do with left hand and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, approve or whatever, right? Now, the thing is, if I hand that over to someone else and give them that responsibility, they will feel it's massive because to them, oh my God, I'm handling my boss's LinkedIn, right? So what's the bottom of my food chain is the top of someone else's. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I don't have the time to sit and write like a hundred custom messages every single week to all these people, right? Like, oh, at least I've chosen not to take that time because I don't feel it's a re relevant priority. But if I have someone do it for me, they can do that. Right now, again, you can argue if that's worth the time, but it was just as an example, 
right? Like one example I use it with a lot is customer service, right? A lot of business owners, they kind of do customer service left-handed. They're like, oh yeah, I have to answer the customer. Oh, I'm the only one that can do it because I'm the only one that know all the answers. I'm like, no, you're not. Well, you, you might know all the answers, but like if you're going to keep continuing that way, you'll spend your life doing customer service. And as a business owner, if you spend your life doing customer service, your business probably ain't growing much, right? Right. right. You're absolutely right. And I can't believe our hour is up already. Boy, we just have had an interesting conversation here. If someone wants to get a hold of you, they've listened to this, they say, I need to hire him to teach me how to do this. How do they yep. get a hold of you? So mattsingers.com. I'm sure we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, my email is mats at mattsingers.com. Um, so uh, all my coaching clients specifically always go through what I call my management academy, which is basically this basic foundation of management, right? So all, all my coaching clients go through that first so that we, we all have a good starting ground in terms of management, right? And then I have my outsourcing business as well. It's called aristosourcing.com. Um, again, you can hit me up. Uh, I'm on pretty much all social media. Um, you will generally be accepted and you'll generally get a message. It might not be from me. <laughs> we won't tell. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. Um, but yeah, you, you will, right? Okay. So that's, uh, that's the best way. That's, this has been an absolutely fantastic hour, and I've certainly learned a whole lot. I'm sure that all of my listeners have as well. And if you have questions for either myself or for Mads, please put them in the comments um, in, the, in the, the program and ask, and someone will get back with you. We have wonderful shows every single Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern. And each week will be a different business owner telling us and sharing with us their experiences, their knowledge, and their expertise on how to run and grow a business. So please like us, download us, share us with your colleagues, your customers, your friends and family. Um, if you have topics that you want to hear, let me know. And I look forward to sharing things with you moving into the future. Thank you all very much. Take a good listen to what we've talked about today. Implement things, you know, get out there and really have a great management system in place. That way you're more productive and your business will soar higher. Until we talk again next week, y'all have a great day. Enjoy yourselves and soar higher. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's our show for today. We'd like to extend special thanks to our great guest, our sponsors, and our wonderful listeners. Today's show was produced by Scott Card. To find more of Nancy's podcasts and our sponsors, go to don't wait till pigsfly.com.